Hey everybody, welcome to Matt and Dory's Excellent Adventure. I'm Matt. I'm Dory. Hello, we hope you're all well. Thanks for the email support thus far. <laughs> it's been uh, what it should have been. <laughs> wow. Yep. I went there. You did. Oh, why did that not charge all the way? Interesting. You are really telling our listeners what's what. That's me, straight shooter. Yep. With a heart of gold. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Straight shooter with a heart of gold. I'm going to get you that in a, on That's a t-shirt. Um, anyway. Here we are. In-laws are in town. Dory's uh, not in-laws, but regulars. Mm-hmm. My guess. parents. Matt's what would you call parents? Uh, parents? Yeah, but if it's not in-law, what is it? What do you mean? You know. Like I don't know. In in what is the opposite of law? Oh, I see. Um, in in actuality, there you go. Your parents in actuality are here. Mm, yes. Uh, currently with Henry, we will see how that goes. TBD. So far, Henry's been having a time. Um, I'll call it an emotional roller coaster, but you know, he's been heightened the last few days. For sure. Don't really know what you know, I guess it's just the nature of a two and two and two and nine tenths year old. Two and a, almost eleven twelfths year old. Yeah. So Yeah, yeah, he's been having some big feelings. Yeah, and I can't quite, you know, can't keep up with them. It's a roller coaster. It is a roller coaster. Sometimes he's, uh, well, he's just, it's just strong opinions, really. Yeah. But upset when his opinions aren't what's happening. Yeah. And sometimes getting like really sad over things. Like what? I don't know. I just like, like dropping an egg on the floor. It's a traumatic thing. It's like traumatic. But it is traumatic. Like, I get it. No, no, I get it too. But I'm just saying, like, his reaction is like, whoa, okay. Seemed to, you know. I remember when he dropped the dozen eggs on the floor that one time. Oh, yeah. That was upsetting. <laughs> um, he also, yesterday, before his nap, said that he wanted to wear underwear. And, like, I, I tried to explain to him that. Even when you wear underwear, like during the day, you still have to wear diapers for your for your sleep times. And he did not want to hear it. So I said, okay, put you in underwear. If you have to use the potty, like yell for me. So within like two minutes, he had yelled for me and he did poop. Mm-hmm. And then put him back to bed. Two minutes later, he yelled for me again. He peed. And then I said, okay, bud, now you really have to go to sleep. Because then I was like, oh, no, now I've created this, like, fun game where he's just going to, like, yell for me. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But he did fall asleep. Mm -hmm. But then he woke up. When he woke up, he was like, why my sleep sack wet? Mm. Because he had peed. Again. And I was like, yeah, you know, that's sometimes when when you just wear underwear to bed, your body doesn't know that it's peeing because you're asleep. Mm Mm-hmm. And he seemed to sort of get that. And then he wore a diaper this morning. He didn't want. Then he didn't want to go back in underwear. He wanted to go back in his diaper. And then 
um, for his nap today, he said he wanted to wear underwear again. <laughs> and I was like, oh, he just wants to like, pl- he thinks this is like a fun game where he like calls me to yeah. put on the potty. Okay. And so then I explained to him again, you know, why he has to wear a diaper um, for nap time. And I said, but, you know, if you want to wear underwear later, you can. And he was sort of like noncommittal. And then I said, do you want to wear underwear and use the potty at school? And he said, yeah. Okay. So. What does that mean? I mean, we'll see how he feels tomorrow morning. I feel like this is a real, like. I don't, would you, I, would, do you, would you send him with just his underwear? I would send him with his underwear and like five changes of clothes. <laughs> okay. Um. All right. You know, I guess they're supposed to tell you when they're ready. Is he ready? I mean, he, he seems more ready than he he's ever be. been. I think I think he's getting to want to be. We did talk recently about who at school uses the potty, mm-hmm. and he definitely like clocked like who's using the potty. Yeah, and one of his like best friends at school uses the potty. Mm-hmm. The other Henry, and I think that's sort of like oh, hmm. he's like processing it. Well, I think he's always looking for like an angle. What do you mean? <laughs> like, you know, he's probably like, "Oh, you get one on one time with an adult if you, if you, if you need to use the potty." Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I mean, you get one on one time with an adult if you need your diaper changed too. Yeah, but also it's a hassle. He doesn't like doing it. Yeah, I guess. Uh-huh. I don't know. It was interesting. So. You know, I think we had come to the conclusion that Henry is, uh, you know, a strong-willed individual. And if we pushed potty training on him too early, it was going to backfire in our faces. So I kind of wanted to start a few months ago. And then I was like, this is not a good idea. And so now it does seem like he's kind of coming around to the idea of doing it on his own. But TBD. I mean, the whole idea of like keeping him home for two days straight seems like that's what he really wants right now. <laughs> that's true. You know what I mean? If we said to him, if you potty train, you don't have to leave the house for two days, he would be like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I hadn't thought about that, but that's so true. Yeah. <laughs> He's not a big uh, fan of excursions. I mean, yes and no. I think like. He doesn't, he's kind of, it's kind of like you. Like he says he doesn't want to go and then he gets there and he's like having a good time. Yeah. But there's also a lot of times where he just wants to stay home and he just says he wants to stay home. Yeah. I mean, it's like, I don't know. But also in talking to some other parents um, of kids his age, this is apparently very common. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I don't think this is like a unique to Henry situation. Well, it's a rigmarole, you know, getting out of the house. Sure. I get it. Totally. Yeah. That's my jam. <laughs> um, I don't like getting out of the house. I know. Except for every morning. Yeah. For every morning when you wake up at 4.30. Two and a half hours. <laughs> yep. Except for that. Um, But usually by myself, so true it's also part of it too should we encourage henry to leave the house by himself uh i mean i'll drop him off somewhere 
<laughs> you know, if he wants to go to the mall. Oh, okay. Or whatever. What do kids do nowadays? They go to the mall, right? Yeah, That's, sure. Is the mall still a big social hang? You know, I was just seeing someone on social media talking about how they think the mall is going to make a comeback. Um, I mean, I could see it happening. That does make sense. It's sort of like this thing that we avoided, like the plague. Yeah, but, but when you think about that, but when you think about it, like teenagers don't actually have that many places to go to like hang out. That's not like I mean, do they do, do do they do parking lots anymore? Is that a thing? I, I don't used know. to go like they used to do like a like a Wendy's parking lot or something. Kids will hang out, sit on their trunks, skateboard. Or but like, whatever. what about like during the day? What about like on a weekend afternoon? Just go to the mall, you know? Who's hanging out on weekend afternoons? I'm trying to think back. What did I do on weekend afternoons? I feel like oh, we would do all you know. We like go go out to eat or the mall. Yeah, sure. You know, I think I also at least one weekend day I I worked on a weekend mm-hmm. afternoon. Um, but yeah, I don't know. What did I do? <laughs> it's interesting to think back. Yeah, I don't. I mean, also like nowadays, what do people do? So like, how did we ever coordinate any plans? The telephone. I know, but it like that sort of just like blows my mind now. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm old enough, or I don't want to say I'm old enough. My friends are older. Mm-hmm. And your wife is older. Yeah, but like my friends are older than you, usually. Mm. You do like <laughs> old tend. people. I just gravitate towards them. Um, but I've noticed a trend among my older friends. Uh-huh of them trying to make phone calls a thing again. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. They're calling you and you're not calling them back. No, no. Like <laughs> I will, if it's a friend of mine that calls them, yeah, I'll pick up the phone. I think that might also be partially due to the pandemic. Yeah, I do. I think that has something to do with it as well. But like the idea of, you know, well, it's like, you know, when Andy called the other day when we right. were in the car. Yes. And he was like, this would just take so much more time if we were texting back and forth. And I'm like, yeah, it totally would. So, I mean, that's the beauty of a phone Yeah, call. I know. <laughs> I'm just like saying they're efficient. Yes. But like, I don't know. Is that, it's not my first instinct. Well, because you hate the phone. That's a, that's a misnomer. You have said that. It's a categorical lie about me. Okay, then why don't you clarify things? Because I was under the impression that you hated the phone. I like a home, like a like a landline. Should we get a landline? Maybe. The long you know, cord so I could like sit out here. You know, the cord goes all the way into the house. <laughs> um, you know, it's kind of hard to get an actual landline these days. I know, they're all like ISDN. Yeah, or like voice over IP. And yeah. which like it sort of negates the point of having a landline like i feel like part of the point of having a landline is to have something if like the electricity and the internet goes out right and if you have voice over ip you don't have <laughs> your right. phone the internet goes out right done um i think you can like i i looked into this at one point when i was in like prepper mode um and it was very expensive to get like a telephone jack landline interesting yeah just the thing of the past yeah like it's like you can get one but it'll cost you hmm. we have telephone jacks in this house they could probably like reactivate them 
I'm sure. I mean, are they building houses without telephone jacks now? Is that like in the building code now? They're just like, nope. I, no jack. I would highly doubt that they have telephone jacks. I think they just have like Ethernet. Wow, that's interesting. I mean, who is getting a new landline these days to a telephone jack? Businesses? I think they're all doing voice over IP. It's hmm. cheaper. All right. So that's my... I mean, I'm sure like the uh, president's bunker has like a satellite phone and a landline. I bet the White House has has actual landlines. Yeah, of course. They're probably more secure also. Uh-huh. I'm really thinking this through. <laughs> <laughs> Let's find out what the White House has and we get said, that. We said Zelensky a satellite phone. Oh, that was nice of us. Yeah. Here's a phone and some <laughs> missiles. Good luck. <laughs> ay, ay, ay. You know, I read a really... Um, well, there is there are these. What path are you taking right now? Are people here to listen to this, or are we? Th- what do you think? What do you mean? Are we going down a road of like, oh, I want to escape the world, but you, uh, know. you know, I feel like we are between a rock and a hard place. If we don't mention Ukraine, people are like, don't you know there's a war going on? And then if we do, people are like, we don't come to you for analysis of the war in Ukraine. Well, what if we acknowledge it? Okay, let's and then acknowledge say that it. It's terrible. It is and, terrible. Uh, and I read an article in the New York Times yesterday about um, babies who were born to Ukrainian surrogates who are now stuck in Kiev. And the way Ukrainian law works is the parent, the biological parents have to get the baby in Ukraine and mm-hmm. like sign all these papers to get the baby out. So they can't, like, they can't give the baby to like a third party and take them to like Poland. Right. The parents have, so it's like very complicated and these babies are like stranded. Some of them are the children of parents from China. Like it's just like very far away. (laughs) It's like very complicated and they're in like a basement being cared for by these nannies and nurses. It's like, whoa. Fucking wild. Yeah. But of course, why are there so many surrogates in Ukraine? Because Ukraine is the poorest country in Europe, which I didn't know. I did not realize that either. Yeah. Interesting. And it has very, like, relatively liberal surrogacy laws, although you cannot be a surrogate for a same-sex couple in Ukraine. I now know a lot about Ukrainian surrogacy laws. Uh, You know, I was ready to tell you that whatever you're going to talk about was off topic, but... No, turns no, no. Out, turns out you got there. I had an angle. Yeah. Wow. So, I mean, I was going to just briefly mention the pictures of the maternity hospital that I couldn't look at. I, mm-hmm. I just didn't want to look at them. Mm-hmm. It's just like horrible. But yes, the, it was the it was the babies. It was mostly the babies of the surrogates that I wanted to talk about. Wow. So. Yikes. Yeah. Well, who the fuck knows what's going to happen. I know it's very scary. Um, well, listen, if you want to tell us about how you think we did talking about Ukraine, you can email us at DorianMatt at Gmail or Matt and Dory at Gmail or call or text us at 413-461-BABY. You can also call, email, text us about anything else. Yeah. Sounds, sounds like a plan. Okay. Email us. All right. That way we can do a show. Okay. Let's continue that show right after this. Okay. Be right back. Hey, I'm going to ask you a question. How's your sock drawer looking? Is it scary? 
maybe it's time for a spring cleaning and refresh. Bombas just dropped a bunch of absurdly soft new socks, tees, and underwear to help you get that drawer in a better place while doing a little bit of good. Look, when I open up my uh, sock drawer and I see a clean pair of Bombas sitting on top, not only do my feet sort of jump for joy, but like... I can't wait to get them on my feet because I know they're going to be cozy. I know they're going to be the best socks in the house. And I know that they're going to keep me going all day long. They've got some great details that have been obsessed over, including the honeycomb arch support, which I love. Anti-blister tabs, which I also love. What that is, it's a little bit of the heel that goes up a little, just a, just a smidge higher. Like in a, whatever the perfect amount higher is, that's how high it goes. Bombas has figured this out. Uh, and they've got cushioned footbeds that feel like little pillows on your feet. Not to mention the buttery soft tees and underwear with no itchy tags. Oh, I hate an itchy tag. And Bombas is like, don't worry about it. We do too. And look, the best thing about Bombas is that when you purchase an item, Bombas donates an item. That's right. Every time you buy their socks, tees, or underwear, you're also donating essential clothing to someone facing homelessness. To date, Bombas has donated over 100 million clothing items and counting. I mean, Bombas can make returns easy as well. I uh, don't know why you'd return anything because what? But they do have a 100% happiness guarantee. So if the dryer or your dog eats a sock or if you're unhappy with your purchase for virtually any reason, they'll do whatever they can to replace it and make it right. Bombas has a spring collection out right now. That means new colors and new fun. That's right. They have garden party socks that bring the party to your feet. They got stripes. They got florals. They've got vintagey colored rib socks. You know, those like you know uh, stripes on the top of it. it's like oh hey look at me i'm a vintage uh, soccer player or track person they've got those too and they even have a new pointel sock with a frilly cuff you know if for all you frill seekers out there folks all i'm saying is you heard me talk about bombas for years now i don't know why you haven't done anything about it get comfy this spring and give back with bombas Head over to bombas.com slash adventure and use the code adventure for 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash adventure. Use the code adventure at checkout. Trust me, your feel thank you. Why'd you say? And we're back. Hello, we're back. That's how you would get it to the time. Yes, I know. I just realized that. Math is hard sometimes. Math is really hard. Um, okay, speaking of math. You, Myra? Uh, wow. Wow. <laughs> um, last week, we talked a little bit about Henry's obsession with numbers. We did. We discussed it. Um, and, you know, I, I got to tell you, I've never... Your uh, mother seems to also be constantly discussing it. Yes, she's very fascinated by it. I mean, he does He does want to talk about it all the time. Yeah. Um, but we heard from a couple other people who also had number obsessed children oh so i wanted to read this uh, email from emily who says my daughter is obsessed with numbers letters and clocks as a toddler i mean that really sounds like henry her favorite her very favorite things in life were license plates as they feature both numbers and letters mm. <laughs> she knew the license plates of all of our family members and would read all the license plates as we drove around town when Halloween, when Halloween rolled around when she was three, she requested to be a license plate. Nice. 
I had to get creative because that costume clearly doesn't exist on the Target shelves. I will always finally remember her preschool Halloween show when out walked five superheroes, four princesses, and one license plate. (laughs) (laughs) She was a clock the following year for Halloween and had a clock-themed fifth birthday party. She also loved reading interstate signs and memorizing the exit, so her seventh birthday was an Interstate 90 theme. Nice. Her love of numbers and letters has served her well. She's great at math, taught herself to read when she was two, and wrote her first chapter book when she was eight. She is 10 now and more into sports, pizza, and her friends, but I still love celebrating her unique interests. Enjoy it with Henry. That is from Emily in Cleveland, Ohio, and she attached some pictures of her daughter as the clock and the license plate and the clock birthday. I love the clock cake. Yeah, the clock cake is very good. That is a a nice use of a round thing. Also, look how happy she looks. Yeah, I know. I she's mean, like thrilled. She just finds pure joy in, in numbers. Yeah. Like, like Henry. I know. Um, we also heard from Janine. And she writes, I've paused the podcast to tell you about my weirdo son and his obsession with clocks. <laughs> TLDR, his name is Benjamin. So when he was around three or four, he became very interested in Big Ben. Mm. This diminished somewhat for a year or so, but then he... But then recently he went through a landmark obsession phase, Statue of Liberty, Eiffel Tower, and of course that led him back to Big Ben. Now age six, he's watching numerous YouTube videos about how the clock tower works and what exactly went on a few years ago when it was refurbished, which he loves repeating to us seemingly verbatim. An offshoot of this clock obsession has manifested in a proficiency with Roman numerals mm. to the point where he sometimes counts out loud in I's and V's, which isn't annoying at all, upside down, <laughs> smiley face. I LOL'd at Matt's Rain Man light comment because, yeah. Regardless, it's mostly been fun to see Benjamin go through his little phases of obsession, even if it's meant watching the same videos over and over again to satisfy his curiosity. He has an eight-year-old sister with a completely different, non-fixation-oriented personality, which quite frankly makes for the outlier in our family since my husband and I each have some pretty intense niche interests. <laughs> that makes it sound NSFW, and I promise it's not. Ha ha. He does fantasy baseball, and I've cycled through online fandoms of sports teams, TV shows, and bands. At any rate, Henry sounds very precociously engaged with numbers, and if anything, I'd say you should be very excited for where that interest will take him next. Best, Janine, who is in 1,900 square feet with husband and two kids in the NYC suburbs, approximately one hot dog so far in 2022. I tend not to make slash purchase them for myself, but wind up eating the kids' half-eaten ones, which are usually the Hebrew national natural variety because we want them to live. What's the... What's the... What is New York City suburbs? Like Ronkonkomo? Like... Um, yeah, it can be Long Island. It could be Westchester. Uh, I'm curious. I've never really heard that as a term. Really? Everybody's usually so proud of their town. Oh, sure, that sure. That they'll be like, fucking, I'm from Great Neck. Right, right, right. I, I see what you're saying. Anyway. Mm. Thanks, Janine. Thanks, Janine. Um, gosh. How, how old is her kid? Did she say uh, three or, when he was around said, three or four, he became obsessed yeah, with Big he's Ben? Yeah, he's now six. I think if we showed Henry Big Ben, he would become obsessed now. His mind would be blown. <laughs> I've tried to explain the dings on the church bell. Oh, sure, sure. That did you can he, hear from our house. Did he I'm get not that? fully sure he's grasped it yet. Okay. All right. What did he... So, yeah, today was daylight savings. Yes, he told me that you guys had changed the clock in the playroom, and he was very like interested in telling me about that. Yes, we did that. We changed the clock on the microwave and the clock on the stove. Oh, wow. And Alexa had already done it, but I walked in, 
to his bedroom this morning and he said, what are we going to do with the clocks? That was literally the first thing <laughs> Well, he because said. you had brought it up before, right before bed and I was like, oh boy. this." But like <laughs> the anticipation he must have had. <laughs> well, because I don't think he fully understood what you were saying. You know what I mean? Like the concept of like setting the clocks ahead is a little complicated. Well, I think the inherent part of like, we're just going to move it up one hour. I don't think he needs to understand why we're doing this. Yeah, that's true. Um, well, I mean, that doesn't surprise me that he was really excited. Just wait till we fall back. Oh boy. Watch out. Um, excuse me. I got, I got, I got, yeah, I was getting him this morning, like at 7.30 on the dot. And your mother comes in and goes, but you, Dory said, and you said you don't get him before seven. I was like, it's 7.30. And she looks at her watch and I'm like, daylight savings. Oh, she was just looking at her at her um, analog watch yeah. that she hadn't moved forward. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> I guess she hadn't looked at her phone. I mean, people, huh? What are you going to do? Um, Matt, do you want to take this next email? Sure. Uh, this is from Stacy. Thanks for your podcast. As an FYI. My husband and I did IVF and PGS tested, and we elected not to do Down syndrome testing after becoming uh, pregnant. However, I read that it's still advised to do Down syndrome testing, even if you've already tested the embryos for chromosomal normalcy. Uh, I think fertility doctors are supposed to tell you uh, this, and that PGS testing isn't perfect, still do the other tests, but my husband and I had no idea. Also, re PGS testing. We did PGS testing. Our thought was undergoing fertility treatment is expensive and a pain, so we're willing to pay extra for PGS testing, we were rec- which was recommended by our clinic at CCRM to give ourselves the best chance of success. However, I did see new research questioning the effectiveness of PGS testing and whether it uh, led to throwing out good embryos that I thought was interesting. The England Journal of Medicine has an article linked below. Basically, for a good prognosis birth, research suggests that PGS testing isn't necessary, despite being universally recommended, at least at my clinic it was universally recommended. I have not discussed this article with a fertility doctor. We've graduated from our clinic. But if any of our listener, any of your listeners uh, have a chance to bring this up at an appointment, I'd be interested in the professional feedback of this research. That's from Stacy. No hot dogs. 1,450 square feet, two people. Live with two roommates until February. They moved out when we got pregnant. <laughs> We're pregnant. Get out. Um, Dory, what do you still, think about this? We still did, with Henry, we still did the um, Down syndrome testing. Yeah. Um, but what do you think about this study that says that it's i mean i don't know it's so hard to say i there is all this there's there's like this i guess why it's hard to say is when you pgs test an embryo you're not gonna you know voluntarily put in a pgs tested bad embryo in which would skew the results except that sometimes like there's all there's now all this sort of like anecdotal data from people who have put in abnormal embryos that have self-corrected in, and so yeah, 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 but what regarding like the idea of like not putting in a PGS 
tested embryo. Like this is not looking at results of the PGS test. Right. And what that would lead to if you were to put in a PGS one embryo on a scale of one to five. Or if you put in an embryo that wasn't PGS tested. That's so that's I think what the study is looking at. Putting in an untested embryo versus one that has been tested and you're going to put in a, a one that tested well. Mm-hmm. So, of course, the numbers are going to be skewed over at clinics because they're always, you know. Well, they're not going to take the risk of putting in, like, they would rather. Right, but is there a risk? Right, that, I mean, that's what this that's what this article and this person are wondering. I'm wondering it out loud along with yeah. this person. I mean, I have brought this up. I brought this up with Dr. Beck couple years ago and she was very much like no (laughs) yeah but but she is also someone as we've seen who like you know plop a study in her lap totally so i don't know it's interesting it's a lot to think about um we i'd be curious to hear what other people think about this um, moving on, uh, you you did skip an email, so I'm going to go. Oh, I did. I'm going to go back. I'm sorry. Yes, just FYI. Um, Where? This. Oh, I think you uh, are no, not reading the correct email. I sent you a second email that said use this one. Um. So anyway, I will keep reading. This is from. I don't have that email. Oh, it's what? This is from Anonymous. Maybe it's below that email. I I hate the way these fucking messages get threaded on Apple. Oh, because you like could. I hate it. It's like hard to tell that I sent a second email. Oh, because you use the exact same subject line. Okay. So it was like this is this is an addendum and the same email thread. Got it. Got it. I thought you had said use this one in the subject line. So then I was like, well, why don't I see this? Oh, weird. Okay. I get it. Anyway, so yes, we got a we got a late breaking email that I added to the document um, from Anonymous who wrote, Hi, Doreen Matt. Repeating what others said last week. Don't stop. I haven't missed an episode and have no plans to break my streak. I'm seeking advice on a couple of fronts. First, whether or not to attempt a pregnancy in my 40s. Second, whether to take some potentially risky medications prescribed by a reproductive immunologist. A little background. I have two great kids, but I've always wanted three. Truth be told, I relate hard to your listener from a couple weeks ago who really wants a daughter. Me too. And that's where a lot of the third kid motivation comes from. The daughter wish has softened over the years, but never went away. Starting a little over four years ago, my husband and I began trying for a third kid and got pregnant easily three times, but all pregnancies ended in second trimester losses. All the fetuses were genetically normal, and it's now looking like the best explanation for the losses is autoimmune. I recently saw a reproductive immunologist, RI, who ran a battery of tests and said that while I don't have any autoimmune diseases, I do have markers of autoimmune activity that could and likely did in her assessment end a pregnancy. She recommends that I take a bunch of different medications to calm my immune system, including prednisone, a steroid, and possibly other meds that carry risks like Plaquenil and Tac... Tacrolimus. These sound fake. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, I'm concerned about side effects. For example, prednisone suppresses the immune system and can make you more vulnerable to infections, including COVID and the flu, both of which are no good in pregnancy. 
Although the other pregnancies were all conceived naturally, we did one IVF retrieval last year and have some PGS tested chromosomally normal embryos to work with, all of which happen to be female. If I move forward with a transfer, the RI wants me to first be on meds for four to six weeks. My questions. One, I'm 42. By the time we do a transfer, I'd be close to 43. And by the time a baby was born, I'd be close to 44. I'm concerned about the social experience of being an older mom for me and for the child. I only know a few people who've had kids at that age and none currently live near me. Lately, everyone calls me ma'am and young 20-somethings sometimes compare me to their moms. I feel old. I worry that being a mom to a newborn at 44 will be socially isolating. This alone is having me think that maybe I should just throw in the towel and accept that we tried and it didn't work. I'm, I'm so much older than when we started all this. Dory, I think you're a similar age, but it doesn't sound like you let this get to you. I'd love to hear insights from you and others who've been in similar situations, as well as advice about whether I should move forward or not, that this is something I'll continue to be self-conscious about. Two. Uh, you want to take that one first? Oh, sure. Um, you know, I would say like 90% of the time it does not get to me. Oh, wow. That's a 10% of the time it does. And that is a higher number than I anticipated. Folks, let's dig in. What do you mean? Well, now we're talking. Subscribe now. Now we're talking. That's right. Subscribe to my newsletter, dory.substack.com. We did a bad job promoting that at the top of the show. We did. We got so sidetracked. I have a new newsletter. It's called Now We're Talking. Now we're talking. Yeah, that's how you say it. And uh, head over to Dory's link tree and make it happen. Yeah. Um, I mean, maybe 90 is, is high. I mean, is low. Um low it's in terms of like i probably feel fine about it like nine maybe i feel fine about 95 percent of the time okay name uh without you know going into any great detail what is a time recently where you felt annoyed by it it's more maybe less annoyance and more another emotion go ahead sometimes i feel sad that i won't have as much time as with henry as someone who had their kid when they were like 25 I mean, that is a valid feeling for sure, but I would argue that your genes are probably going to make you be around longer than them anyway. Well, and then I think about people whose parents died in like their 50s, and I'm like, well, there's no guarantee of anything. So right. like, okay, so that sometimes makes you feel better, thinking about parents who died young. Yeah, I think that's always <laughs> going to make everybody feel yeah. a little bit Feels great. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I just actually, I had dinner the other night with two moms um, from Henry's preschool class, mm-hmm. both of whom are in their 40s. Um, one when, of, when was this? When I went out. When on, did you go out? I went on Thursday night. I don't remember. What was I doing? Probably podcasting, working. I don't know. My life, right, last like, seven days has been sat in front of this computer in a way that I'm like not fully prepared to accept. Yeah. Well, anyway, (laughs) I went out to dinner. Okay. And, you know, obviously both of these parents have kids in Henry's class. So their kids are Mm -hmm. Henry's age. And one of them, I think is a year or two younger than me. And the other one, I think is a year or two older. Okay. So nice cross section. So nice cross section. Now, granted, we live in Los Angeles. I think there's a lot more older moms here than there might be in like, Dallas, for example, sure, I, or I don't know, you know. I think you know you'll find it in most in, in metropolitan areas. Yes, often. um, 
But, you know, I have other very close mom friends who are 10 years younger than me. And, like, it doesn't bother me. Mm-hmm. Like, I, they're really good friends. I really like them. Except for the part where they didn't know what Columbia House or BMG were. I mean, we really don't have any, like, generational conflicts. Mm. Those are important touchstones. Yeah. Well, one of them was like, I'll ask my husband. He's 40. And... He knew. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I know, and I'm not 40. I know, but you had older siblings. But then again, I'll... And you were like 50. I'll be 39 this year, so... You're like 50 at heart. You were born 50 my, at heart. My heart is probably that of a 70-year-old. It's been through a lot. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't want to say, like, they keep you young, but, like... There kind of is something to that, I guess. I don't know. I don't. I don't know. Uh, you know, I feel. Did I talk about this on Forever 35? I went away a couple weeks ago with um, some moms that I'm friends with who have. Um, by, not, no, by no influence of you having a child, are you friends with them? You were friends pre Henry. Yes. Uh, yes, actually. Yes. Three of four of them I was friends with pre-Henry and the fourth is a mutual friend of some people. Anyway, so they are all roughly around my age, like within four years of my age, Mm -hmm. and they all have older kids. Mm -hmm. Like their kids are mostly like five to seven. Mm -hmm. Like not substantial. They don't have like teenagers, but their kids are kind of in a different stage. And I was sort of reminded that like most of the moms my age although not all clearly because I just went out to dinner with two mm-hmm. um, do have kids who are older and like, that's just, that's just way it is. But you know what? That's kind of cool because I can ask them questions about stuff. Sure. And they all have boys. So it's like mm-hmm. kind of cool to be like, what's normal here? And like, and hear them talk about elementary school. It's very interesting. And, Anyway, I don't know. I I guess what I'm saying is like, if you want to go for it, this should not be the reason that should hold you back. Yeah. I think that's, yeah, her main question is whether or not she should move forward, considering it's something she thinks she'll be conscious about going forward. Yeah. So, so your advice is? I, I mean, I would move forward. Yeah. I mean, we're thinking about moving forward and like, I would be minimum 45. Minimum. We, Minimum. League minimum 45. I could be like 50. Oh, God. Good God. Okay. How dare you? How dare I? Um, she had a second question. Yeah. Should I go ahead with the RIs protocol and potentially risky meds? Most reproductive embryologists advise against working with RIs, arguing that RIs claims and treatments aren't evidence-based and carry more risk than reward. On the other hand, a lot of patients say that they wouldn't be parents if they hadn't worked with an RI. I'd love to hear from listeners about their decision to work or not work with an RI and any advice they have for me. Thanks so much. Anonymous in 2,300 square feet. Two kids and a husband, no hot dogs. What an interesting RE versus RI. Yeah, I never knew. Turf war. I, 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 yeah, I'd never, I'd never heard of that. I'd seen, I've seen, again, anecdotally people talking about success that, that they've had with reproductive immunologists, but I did not realize that there was a conflict between REs and RIs. A little beef. Yeah. Brewing. Well, yeah. So um, I'd love to hear from listeners about 
their thoughts on this. We have, I mean, we do not have experience with this, so I do not feel like we are qualified to weigh in. Yes, but I can weigh in on your no hot dogs. Hot dog season is approaching, everyone. Baseball's back. Are you ready? I hope you're ready for your hot dog counts to increase exponentially. Uh, That said, think about it. Think about your hot dog counts, and we'll be right back. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, I'm going to ask you a question. How's your sock drawer looking? Is it scary? Maybe it's time for a spring cleaning and refresh. Bombas just dropped a bunch of absurdly soft new socks tees and underwear to help you get that drawer in a better place while doing a little bit of good look when i open up my uh sock drawer and i see a clean pair of bombas sitting on top not only do my feet sort of jump for joy but like I can't wait to get them on my feet because I know they're going to be cozy. I know they're going to be the best socks in the house. And I know that they're going to keep me going all day long. They've got some great details that have been obsessed over, including the honeycomb arch support, which I love. Anti-blister tabs, which I also love. What that is, it's a little bit of the heel that goes up a little, just a just a smidge higher. Like in a, whatever the perfect amount higher is, that's how high it goes. Bombas has figured this out. Uh, and they've got cushioned footbeds that feel like little pillows on your feet. Not to mention the buttery soft tees and underwear with no itchy tags. Oh, I hate an itchy tag. And Bombas is like, don't worry about it. We do too. And look, the best thing about Bombas is that when you purchase an item, Bombas donates an item. That's right. Every time you buy their socks tees, or underwear, you're also donating essential clothing to someone facing homelessness. To date, Bombas has donated over 100 million clothing items and counting. I mean, Bombas can make returns easy as well. I don't know why you'd return anything, because what? But they do have a 100% happiness guarantee, so if the dryer or your dog eats a sock, or if you're unhappy with your purchase for virtually any reason, They'll do whatever they can to replace it and make it right. Bombas has a spring collection out right now. That means new colors and new fun. That's right. They have garden party socks that bring the party to your feet. They got stripes. They got florals. They've got vintagey colored rib socks. You know those like, you know, uh, stripes on the top of it. It's like, oh, hey, look at me. I'm a vintage uh, soccer player or track person. They've got those too. And they even have a new pointel sock with a frilly cuff. You know, if for all you frill seekers out there, folks, all I'm saying is you heard me talk about Bombas for years now. I don't know why you haven't done anything about it. Get comfy this spring and give back with Bombas. Head over to bombas.com slash adventure and use the code adventure for 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash adventure. Use the code adventure at checkout. Trust me, your feel thank you. And we are back. Hello. Hot dogs are ready to be cooked boiled preferably thank you um matt do you want to take this next email from becca well now that i'm on the same email chain as you yep uh it would be an honor (laughs) 
Uh, hi, Dory Matt. Seeking very general advice. Unless you and your listeners have any specific, specific advice for one of the examples I'll give about making. High impact, high expense decisions, RE babies slash kids. We are due with our second science baby at the end of May, and I feel like I should be having an easier time making decisions now that I'm now it worked and didn't last time. For uh, but for some reason I'm feeling uh, it's harder. Maybe pandemic or parenting centered decision fatigue. Anyway, right now two big ticket items I'm stuck on are the classic Willow versus LV breast pump debate. But add in the third option, which is just another Spectra because it worked fine and I don't and I know how to use it. Stroller wagons. Way more than two options, so thankfully we've made a decision of stroller wagon versus double stroller. In both cases, the decision is rendered more diff- uh, is rendered more difficult because of the impossibility of actually trying the things. Obvious for the pump, but I'm struggling to find any stroller wagons that are located at physical stores where you could try them out. Yeah, I mean you have to buy usually giant boxes, heavy boxes. You got to build them yourself. Uh, here's another one. I just scheduled C-section due to a breech baby last time. Vaginal birth after C-section or repeat scheduled C-section. Take 12 weeks unpaid uh, FMLA at the same time as my wife or split it up so we make it longer about child care without child care expenses slash health exposures. Split it up how? Which video baby monitor? Anyway, what strategies do you use to make these decisions? What kind of information do you collect? How do you convince yourself that you have all the information you need Thank you, Becca. That is that sounds like a lot of decision paralysis. I was going to say something similar, and I think sometimes uh, having too many options leads to this sort of decision paralysis. Yeah, because you end up overthinking every option and like playing it out to, you know, various ends, and ultimately, it's you what you are usually choosing between. Not always, but I think gen like often are two pretty good options. You know yeah, what I mean? Like yeah. you would probably be happy with either one of whatever you're deciding between here. Um and like some of these are not uh permanent. Like if you you know, uh if you get the willow and you decide you hate it you can probably sell it and get the LV. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it's not an irreversible decision. Now, VBAC versus repeat scheduled C, that is a decision that you will have to make that will have a <laughs> binding yeah, you consequence. Can't sell either of those. <laughs> um let's go through each of your of your uh choices. Willow versus LV. I chose the LV um based on my research in the Willow and LV Facebook group that I joined prior uh, when I was thinking about this. So it's an age-old debate. It's an age-old debate. Um, People feel very strongly one way or the other. They say that the Willow like pulls on your nipple harder. And some people like that. Some people feel like the LV is too gentle. Um, I thought the LV was fine. Um, I also had a Spectra. I had an LV and a Spectra. And like, it was sometimes nice. Like the Spectra did, I think, I think it was more effective, but it was more annoying to use. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, 
stroller wagons. I mean, people really like that Veer wagon. I have not tried it personally. It's very expensive. Um, so is the Jeep one we have. But the Jeep one is expensive too. And yeah, I mean, it's weird. Like you can't go anywhere to try these things anymore. Well, yeah. I mean, it used to be like, you know, Babies Are Us, which used to be. I mean, I guess Bye Bye Baby still exists, I think. I find that there's like a lot of, not a lot of, but I, I, you know, from time to time I pass like mom and pop baby stores. Right. Yeah. So maybe you could find one of those. Um, Although, you know, this person says they're struggling to find any stroller wagons. Um, Are you in any mom groups on Facebook? Because people have very strong opinions about this. Um, I will also say I know a lot of people with the double bob jogging stroller and they love it. They are like obsessed with it. I don't know if you can put an infant in it though, now that I think about it. But anyway, I don't like, again, I don't feel like. I think the Jeep one, if I remember correctly, has a bar that you can install to put the child's yes, it does. car seat on top. It does. I think I threw that bar out. Wow. How dare you? Um, I was like, you know, if we need this, thank God, I'll find one. That's the other thing I would say. I would check Facebook Marketplace to see if people are selling these things because, like, people are always getting rid of baby shit. That's one thing that, like, I know now, now that I am a parent, is, like, people who are done with baby stuff just want it out of their house and there's always stuff for sale. And, like, same for you. Like, if you get the stroller wagon and you decide you hate it, you can sell it. Um, True. Scheduled C versus VBAC. I, I do not want to weigh in on this. I feel like this is a very personal decision and like people have, you know, strong opinions either way. And you should talk to your doctor about this. FMLA. Okay. Here's what I would do. I would um, wait. Okay. So you are carrying. So I would have your wife take, the first two weeks that you are that like the first two weeks after the baby's born and then take leave after your leave is done. Gotcha. So that's what I would do. Um, We have the, what's it called? What's our baby monitor called? Hmm. Like universal something. It's not internet. It's a radio signal. Yes. Uh, Uh, the range is pretty decent. And I don't remember what it is. Um, I'm going to look up radio signal. Baby monitor. Infant optics. That's what it is. There you go. Yeah. Henry says, good night, monitor. <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, but, you know, some people really like the app monitors that you know you can look at on your phone um so if that's something that is important i will say to you, i like the monitor where it's a signal that you have to be nearish to it because i mean i'd be too tempted to go to our closest restaurant and pick up food while i was looking at it on my phone right. <laughs> oh gosh um 
And then generally, what strategies do you use to make decisions? I mean, I wouldn't say I I don't have like a decision making like matrix, but I think ultimately I try, I think I will like make a decision and then try to not like second guess my decision. And then if I do really feel like I made the wrong decision, if it's some like I said, like if it's something like the stroller, then I will sell the one that I have and get something else. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so. Um, okay. That was, I uh, hope that helped you out a little bit. Yeah, hope that helped you out. All right. Uh, this next email is from Anonymous, who says they migrated from Nerdist. Welcome. When they were in the not having a baby season of life. Um, I've really enjoyed listening to your IVF story and following along as you've welcoming as you've welcomed Henry into the world. Hearing stories about what he's into and what he says and does is pure joy. I'm 35 and in an 18-month-long relationship with someone I really see a future with. He's 38, and we've talked about having a baby before we get engaged, given our ages. I remember you guys saying that when you started the pod, when you started the pod, that you had been trying to conceive before you got married. We're at that stage, and I have one huge thing that's making me very hesitant about trying to conceive. My dad's family. <laughs> I'm sorry to laugh. They're all super conservative and I'm not. All my cousins and my brother have waited until they were married to have children and they also all got married by the time they were 30. Time is not exactly on my side and I feel pressure of needing to start trying to have a baby every day. I also worry about the judgment of bringing a baby into my family when I'm not married. I couldn't stand if my child were treated differently than my niece if they were born before I was married. My boyfriend has an 11-year-old from a previous marriage And we've decided we only want one more child unless God grants us multiples. Here's my question. Did you guys feel judged by your families for trying to get pregnant before you got married? If you did, did it slow your IVF plans down? Am I causing myself unnecessary anxiety? Thanks very much for taking the time to read what I hope is a not too rambling email and any wisdom you can pass along anonymous in Northeast Arkansas. No hot dogs in 2022. Uh, Well, I don't think Dory and I can tell you how your family is going to react to any of these situations but you know there's always a shotgun wedding (laughs) it's true you get pregnant you go all right we did it let's get married and then you quickly get married and then you're like we're having a baby we got married it's crazy yeah i mean i do maybe this is naive of me but like i do also think that like any judgment that could happen kind of goes away like because people are just really excited to have a baby around a new baby uh i would say that in in a lot of cases they do but again i don't know when you say conservative do you mean religious um yeah like what brand of that, conservative that, that's a are whole we talking? other that's a whole other ball game i mean they're played on the same field mm. <laughs> for sure mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but uh I think that never underestimate the power of a religious zealot. Okay. The stubbornness. That's fair. The seemingly unnecessary rule binding for a long book of fiction. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Yeah. That's it. I don't know. My literal advice to you would be try. If you get pregnant, great. Have a shotgun wedding. That's my advice. It's terrible advice, probably. <laughs> Could be the worst advice. I say start trying because, you know, 
what could have you you could have the same experience that we did and like find out that you don't get pregnant and then you're kind of ahead of the game in terms of starting IVF like right away. Yeah, that too. So again, we don't we don't we can't tell you exactly how they're gonna react. Yeah. If anyone out there has any experience in something similar to this, let us know. Yeah. Um, all right. Stephanie writes Mm-hmm. I have PCOS, and because of that, I have hirsutism. I know there are many ways to get rid of unwanted I do too, by the way. body hair, but I was wondering if any of the listeners have found a way to treat the root of the problem, no pun intended, rather than just keep doing things for hair removal. I would say pun intended because that was solid. Every time I brought it up to my doctor, they've just told me to lose weight, and I know there has to be more to it than that. Ugh, one of those doctors. I'd love any advice in this area. Thank you all so much for the pod. I've written in before with my square footage. <laughs> Refused to write in again. <laughs> but a hot dog update about six Costco dogs since in 2022. Uh, leading the Costco charge. Thank you. Half a does. I like it. Hmm. Um, I do not have any personal advice, but I would suggest going to a, maybe a dermatologist. Or an endocrinologist. Yeah. Well, is this your is this your general practitioner who's telling you this? Yeah. This sounds like a GP. Interesting. In in my in my analysis, because they said my doctor. You know what I mean? Like it mm-hmm. sounded like my general doctor. I would go to a specialist, but that's just me. Henry's pretty hairy too. Like, it's like, oh, sorry, bud. (laughs) (laughs) He's got, like, back hair already. Well, you know, that's who he is. Pretty wild. Mm -hmm. Thank God he's uh, got a fairer hair, you know, blondish. I mean, it could turn dark. We don't know. Oh, boy. Okay. Um, yeah, if any listeners have advice, we'd love to hear it. Okay, this is from Anonymous. Um, I'm writing in about baby sleep, which kind of feels so personal for some people. It's like asking how much do you weigh? Most of my in real life parent friends have good sleepers, so they are not useful largely. <laughs> we have a lovely almost 10 month old who is amazing, except at going to bed. Nighttime wake ups are at a manageable state but we are struggling with extinction sleep training. What is that? Um, It means like um, cry it out basically. Gotcha. Currently she also has separation anxiety, but no teething. Our main issue with sleep training right now is that we have a lot of crying at night that is not reliably decreasing and it's not just a one night extinction burst. We are in the process of trying earlier and later bedtimes because that's what people say leads to lots of bedtime crying. But obviously, this is opposite advice. And what if that doesn't change it? We are sleeping an okay amount of time once the crying ends, but we would like baby and mom to cry less in the evening. Hmm. We are having a really tough time and thinking about sleep consultants because bedtime still involves so much crying. I've used Precious Little Sleep as a guide, but it's a long book. Nap time (laughs) is a total mess, but I'm not going after that while everything else is difficult and we know she naps well at daycare. 
My question for you in the pod community is, did you have a sleep consultant? How did you find one that works for you? Is it useful to do a one-off meeting or should I try to find something that's higher contact? Or have we failed and should we go back to nursing the sleep and try again in a couple of weeks? Anonymous in about a thousand square feet in San Francisco with one science baby, a husband and two cats, no hot dogs yet in 2022. And to be honest, I'm more excited for brats or corn dogs anyway. Wow. I think you just overshared at the end. <laughs> TMI. Um, this is interesting. I mean, I know a lot of people who have used sleep consultants. Um, uh, this comes. How, how are their results? Good. Anecdotally? Good. Um, this comes up periodically in the Mandori's Excellent Adventure Parent uh, Pregnancy and Children Facebook group. Mm-hmm. So you could ask in there. I've also seen it come up in the Forever Thirty Five Parents group. Um, I think there are some sleep consultants who are in those groups who people have actually used and speak highly of. So maybe you could find one there. It's probably pretty interesting now, sleep consultants. You could probably just do anything over Zoom. Yeah, I think a lot of them work on Zoom. It's pretty schnazzy. So, um, but I would yeah. say, from what I'm reading here, it seems like a sleep consultant obviously just wouldn't hurt anything other than your pocketbook. Yeah. So. I, think, I think that's true. May the may the sleep be on your side. Yes, may the sleep be ever in your favor. Okay. Um, last week we heard from a listener who wanted to know how to cook dinner with an eleven with an eleven month old. And so um, anonymous wrote in. The subject of this email was how to cook a homemade meal with an eleven month old question mark. And then they said you don't smiley face but seriously lower your expectations and give yourself grace this this stage of your life may look different than it did before and that's okay um anonymous with a two and a half year old and an eight week old zero home-cooked meals for the foreseeable future (laughs) uh i i hear you um and speaking of that we've gotten i'm trying to figure out if i'm on the right email or not well we have a voicemail next wait a second yep there we go Okay. Okay. Ready? Next is more on the cooking subject. Hi, Matt and Dory. This is Emily calling from the Washington, D.C. area. And I had to pause the pod to call in about trying to cook with an 11-month-old before your partner gets home. I am currently on maternity leave with a 7-week-old, and my oldest is 18-month-old. And my husband is a teacher and head football coach. So, and spring training just started. So, I'm flying solo until at least six most days. And my little one will not be occupied by the TV unless I am watching with him. So, I've had to get pretty creative. And I just wanted to echo pretty much everything you guys said. You have to get everything ready as early as you possibly can. And then I found that the best way to do it is to let my son be involved. Um, He was pretty mobile pretty early. So, at a year old he could stand on a stool in the kitchen and quote unquote help me and this call was actually very well timed because today while he's at daycare I'm getting together a Gus's cooking basket for him which basically consists of real kitchen utensils because he will not be fooled by any sort of play utensils but real utensils for him and um, a couple of spice jars full of ground up Cheerios or like breadcrumbs, anything I can find that he can mix his own dinner together beside me while I'm mixing our real dinner, um, while I have our two-month-old strapped to my chest or in 
the little bouncy seat beside me. So those are my recommendations. If your kid won't be entertained by anything else and wants to be around you, get them involved as soon as you can, even if they're not actually involved in the real meal making process. Um, again, this is Emily calling from Washington, D.C. area. We have, I think, like 1,500 square feet. Me, my husband, our one-and-a-half-year-old, our almost two-month-old, a 170-pound mastiff who is our middle child. She's 16-month-old, an extremely enormous. fat elderly cat, like two bows. a handful of fish, and a frog. No hot dogs this year, but like Matt said this week, it's not hot dog season yet, so <laughs> there's still time. Thanks, guys. Those are some good suggestions. I mean, I would ask how do you cook with a 170-pound mastiff around. I mean, same. It's not like you can put anything out of reach. <laughs> right? My gosh. Um, thank you for these these tips. Um, Weirdly, Henry enjoys his own weird children's utensils. He does enjoy mm-hmm. his, his little children's utensils. Um. We heard from Stephanie, who had a question about her dog. Okay. She said, does anyone have advice on dealing with a dog who wakes up in his crate in the living room between 3 and 4 a.m., barking and carrying on just because he doesn't want to be alone? His name is Moose. He's a year old. And after dealing with it for many months, we know it's not about needing to do his business or wanting to wake up and start the day. He settles right down as soon as one of us just goes and lies down on the couch in the room with him. We don't have to let him out of his crate or even talk to him, just be in the same room. Our girl, Wyatt, who's three years old now, never had this problem. She's been a crate champ since day one and waits patiently and quietly in her crate until breakfast time. I really thought that, she was talking about a baby. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. <laughs> um... We had thought we were such excellent dog parents, but it turns out we were just really lucky with her. The need for decent amounts of sleep has gotten pretty intense, so we've decided to try letting Moose sleep in his bed on our bedroom floor. The crate won't fit in there uh-huh. and see if that will keep him quiet and settled until a decent hour, it? but are open to other ideas. She doesn't say. Oh, then it ha- definitely has worked. Um, it's 1640 square feet house in Houston, Texas with two adults, a lot of IVF drugs, a very fluffy 14-pound nine-year-old cat, a 65-pound three-year-old Rhodesian Ridgeback, and a 90-pound one-year-old Rhodesian Ridgeback. One hot dog eaten so far, eaten by my husband in 2022. I'm really liking the large dog representation on the podcast this week. Yeah, it's always good to not hear about dogs that are seven to six pounds. Seven two six, yeah, sure. Um, sounds like you solved your problem. Yeah, sounds like he just doesn't want to be away from. I mean, you guys. I get crate training. Yeah, for sure. We did not do it. No, but he was already housebroken. Yeah, so we didn't have to. Um, somehow, imagine house breaking bow nightmare. I can't figure out how it was done, but it was done. <laughs> Um, and we're very thankful for that. Uh, but Bo, it's funny. It's it, the way it, it's hard to like gauge why Bo sleeps where he sleeps when he sleeps. You know what I mean? Yeah. Sometimes he'll sleep on his bed in our room. Sometimes he'll sleep on the couch in Dory's office, which is right outside of our bedroom. Sometimes he'll sleep on the couch in the living room. Which I feel like is like he does that when one of us is not at the house. Mm. 
and he waits for one of us to come home. Mm -hmm. And then when we do come home, he looks up and is so tired and lazy Mm -hmm. that he's like, they're home. And then he just stays where he is. <laughs> he apparently he barked at my parents when they came in last night. And I, I was heard like, that. I was like, that's probably because he was sound asleep, I and you it. just like startled him. Well, I think once the uh, driveway gate opens, he's on high alert. But I think he must have been in deep sleep, mm. and I heard him bark. Yeah, and he was like, because yeah. I think he calmed down pretty quickly. Um. I mean, look, we are not professional dog trainers, so we can't help you with like the crate training question. But I was going to ask why your crate doesn't fit in your room, and then you said how big your dogs are, and I'm like, okay, yeah, that, that, makes that, sense. that so you get the large it. crate. The crates are like an apartment size. But once you know, once the let's, I mean, if your dog is housebroken, I would say, you know, if you want to keep the crate around. So they have a comfortable place to hang out during the day or whatever, then do that. Otherwise, it seems like the crate has served its purpose, and now your dog knows to go to the bathroom outside and also misses you. Sounds like you won. Just let the dog sleep in your room as long as you know it's housebroken. Yeah, if that's if that's something you want to do. Um, nope. Oh, doesn't matter. Okay. All right. I've decided okay. regardless of your feelings, the dog oh, should sleep okay. in your room now. Okay. Um, all right. Well, we've reached the Disney portion of the podcast. Not familiar. What's Disney? Jen wants to know, we're planning to take our then 11 and a half month old science baby to Disneyland for the first time in a few weeks. We're seasoned Disney vets, but have never been with a baby slash toddler, and we haven't been since the pandemic closures. Any tips for what attractions to do with her, park naps, food to try, stroller versus carrier, or anything else that's changed since the parks shut down for COVID? Thoughts on Genie Plus versus the old Fast Pass, Max Pass system. We currently have reservations for the character breakfast at Carnation Cafe and are not concerned about fitting anything specific in since we've been a number of times. That is from Jen in 1,700 square feet in Altadena, California, with one husband, one 11-month-old science baby, and a 13-year-old beagle. No hot dogs in 2022, though due for a Costco run soon. Couldn't find the email, so I was like leaning into Dory's. It's, it's farther down. We're, gotcha. we're skipping a few. But don't, that doesn't mean we don't need them. That's true. Please email. Yep, please email. email us. Uh, okay, so you have an 11-month... What has changed at Disney? I would say that the fact that they're still, you know, as a lot of the world is, understaffed. Um, the park somehow feels busier than ever. And be aware of that and be cautious. Just know that it's going to be a fucking nutcase bananas. I would say... Get the... Get, I would, if you can, I would spring for the genie. Although you guys have... Um, you guys have the kid, so you could do the rider swap on some things that maybe you don't want to use lightning lane for. Um... Lightning Lane, I think, is worse than Fast Pass was, um, and Max Pass, and uh, but Pass Pass. What? Pass Pass. Pass Pass. Mm-hmm. I I think you are looking at a situation where 
you don't want to be in line forever, you're going to need it. Because everything is like insane right now over there. Too many lines. Too many people. It's too much. That was not helpful, and I'm sorry. Um, my one suggestion would be to just, wherever your expectations are for how the day is going to go, ratchet them down, and then bring them down again. Yeah. Like, if your expectations are, hap- get get the kid, a, take a nice picture of your kid on a Dumbo ride, then keep it there. Yeah. But like the thing, it's just, it's a wild card. Your kid could be totally fine or your kid could be a fucking nutcase and like not want to sit at Carnation Cafe. And You know what I mean? Like yeah. it could just. staying over? Did they say? No. Uh, they did not say. But since they have reservations for a character breakfast, I mean. Oh, they got it. My guess over. is that they're staying over. Um, Great. You'll have a place to retreat to You nap. know, maybe they, right. Like you just. It's a totally different experience going with a small child than it is going with two adults. And so just uh, do not expect to go on a lot of rides. Like just you, you, you're kind of at the mercy of the baby. There is that baby um, care center that you can ret- also retreat to on Main Street. Um, Where is it there? It's, it's like it's, it's like but by the Plaza Inn, I think. No. Yeah. It's like okay, if you're walking I think down, it's orientated there in Disney World. I think in Disneyland it's on the other side. If you're walking down Main Street and you're walking towards the castle mm-hmm. and you take a right when you Yes. Yeah, that's where it is. Yeah. Yeah. I think we're thinking of the on same the, place. It's on the uh, it's on the exact opposite side in Disney World. Oh. Over by Casey's Corner slash the yeah. Crystal Palace. Um, yeah, it's by the Plaza Inn at Disneyland. Hmm. What I just said. Interesting. Is that the Plaza Inn? Yes. Wow. Um, so, yeah, so that's Shows another. how often I've eaten there. It's another tip. Um, all right. Well, oh, we have one more note from Adam Chapman mm-hmm. who says, Hi, Matt. Glad you enjoyed watching Under the Umbrella Tree with Henry. My uncle is Bob Stutt, the puppeteer and voice of Iggy the Iguana. (laughs) Glad it's still making fans all these years later. Episodes are being added frequently to the Encore Plus YouTube channel in the best quality you can find online. That's exactly where we watch it now because the show's been around so long that it has reverted back to the creator, the rights of the show. Oh, wow, that's cool. Yeah. Huh. She's pretty fascinating. She's also the voice of Glory the Gopher, and I can't remember her real name. Wow. All right. So thank you, Adam. Uh, your uncle did some great work. Henry does enjoy his delivery of jokes. He laughs at them. <laughs> Particularly the 2.30 dentist joke. He was really had a good time with that. <laughs> now, it's time to say thank you to all our patrons. Indeed. So thank you to everybody, but mostly thank you to our patrons. Uh, support the podcast. Head to patreon.com forward slash excellent adventure. Get yourself up to two extra podcasts every single month where I had Dory and I uh, bullshit about nonsense. Uh, and if you donate at the $5 level or above, you'll get your name right on the podcast each month. And here's our thank you to them. Edwina Goodingham, thank you. Edwina Morgan Bodo. Elena Palling. 
Eleanor Powell. Elizabeth K. Elizabeth Kimani. Ellen F. Emily F. Emily Harden. Aaron. Aaron Goodge. Aaron Turley. Evelyn Schmevelin. Frederick Roy. Freya. Gita Drury. Greta Truitt. Hillary Berry. Jackie G. Jane Ennis. Jan Brennan. I think it's Jen. Why did I say Jan? I don't know. Jenna Marie Nelson. <laughs> Jennifer Sika. Jennifer Steele. Jenny Fick. Jess Branch. Jesse Hendricks. Jessica Grigsby. Uh, Jessica Manolovich. Jesse Fisher. Jesse Labatty. Janon H. Josephine W. Julia Schoolenberg. And Julie McLaren. Thank you all so very much. You've been you. We've been us. Have a great week. We'll see you then. Bye-bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.